With that being said, I want to preface our time in the Bible today uh, with a few things. Then we'll pray. Um, We are not going to have our normal Bible discussions like we usually do, and I'm not in Acts chapter 10 today like I had planned to be. All that changed Friday when our nation completely changed in so many big ways. Um, So... There is great evil in our world today. There is great evil in our world today. If you have children here today or grandchildren here today that aren't aware of some of the things I'm talking about today, um, and you need help introducing them to some of these ideas, I'd be happy to do that with you after the service. We will be talking about abortion. We will be talking about Roe versus Wade. I do not talk about this lightly. There are some, and you may be of of this persuasion, there are some that feel strongly that the church just needs to keep its nose out of this. I have spent about, I'd, I'd say, nine weeks in two different sermon series in the past year dispelling that myth. You all, everyone has, well, many, most people have an opinion about Roe versus Wade and what's right and wrong in our nation when it comes to the issue of abortion. It would be evil and wrong for the church to say we need to stay out of it because we know the Creator. We know the one who is is establishing justice. We know the one who defines justice. We know the one who says what is right and what is wrong. We live in a dark and evil world, but Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And God's people, through the power of Jesus and His Holy Spirit, are discipling the nations and calling them to be obedient to Jesus. So we are on a mission to, make, to cause the light to overcome the darkness And if we don't engage the darkness, if we don't speak to the darkness where there is confrontation, because there's always confrontation when light meets darkness, if we don't engage that, then we're being disobedient to Jesus Christ. We're being disobedient to Jesus Christ, and we will not have that in the church. We will obey with every single part of us. Okay? So... You know, I'm going to try to speak carefully today. That is my goal. But I also will not water down truth. I will not compromise truth. I will say things that are very difficult today. But if I didn't believe God wanted me to say them, and if I didn't see a foundation for it in the Bible, I wouldn't be saying it. So any hard or difficult thing you hear me say today, I want you to know that I am absolutely convinced in my conscience and by everything in me that I should say what I'm going to say. So, I'll I'll talk to y'all afterward. Um, We're not going to have our normal Bible discussion because of the nature of the topic. And also, I didn't give my leaders time to prepare because I've put this together since Friday afternoon. It's been a hectic two days. (laughs) Um... There's a lot of things I'm going to reference today. There may be some terms and some ideas that you've never heard before that I have preached on in the past. 
And so we have all of that available via recording. I even have sermon notes I'd be happy to share with you if you would like to study these things on your own. And I want to tell you, if there's a new idea that's introduced to you today, you should study it. Because the things I'm speaking to today are some of the most important things for God's people to know in the day and age that we live in as Americans. So we're not going to have a normal Bible discussion, but what I am going to do is I'm going to preach, and then we're going to have a big room Q&A time. During that big room Q&A time, you can ask me whatever you want. If you have a question that you won't ask that you don't want everyone else to hear, if you have something that you need to know, but you're embarrassed to share it, or maybe it's just too personal and you don't want everyone to know, I'm going to turn my phone on. It's, it's on airplane mode right now, which is what it usually is at this time. You can text me. And, you know, I'll probably know who you are, and that's fine. That's, you, you know, I mean, you deal with that, whether that's okay with you, but everyone else will not. If you need my phone number, it's on the back down here. So, um, so that's the plan. I'm going to pray. I'm going to preach. I actually have a handout with all the verses that I'm going to be preaching on because we're going to be all over the Bible today. And uh, the Lord is going to be with us. So I'm going to preach and then we'll have a big Q&A time and then I'll speak just a few more minutes after the Q&A time closes out. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, in Jesus' name we ask that you may bless our nation. God, we ask that you may bless your people. God, I ask that you would help us and encourage us, God, and strengthen us and make us zealous for the things of you, O oh God. We desire truth in our world and we desire righteousness and we desire to an end to an evil holocaust of innocent people. We thank you for what took place Friday. It is a huge step in the right direction. We worship you and we praise you that by your providence you have brought that about. But, oh Lord, there is more work to do. And I pray that you may help us to see that today. And I pray that you may hold each person's heart and stretch their heart to engage in, in, in a way that would please you. And God, stretch our minds. Help us, God. Not to think through this based on our experience in the past. Help us, oh God, not to think through this based on what the culture is telling us or, or what we want it to be. But may we think on this, oh God, according to your word and through no other filter or lens. God, your grace is necessary. The presence of your spirit is of utmost necessity at this moment. So would you send him and would you pour into us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Two more things to preface this. I don't know that there's a family in our nation that hasn't been affected by abortion. And when I say family, I'm not just, I'm speaking of extended family. I'm not just talking about our household, my household, a single household. I'm talking about extended family, okay? And I also want you to know that Jesus loves people who have had abortions. Jesus loves women who went to that clinic. Jesus loves the boyfriends and the husbands who paid for that thing. Jesus loves people who have had abortions. 
He wipes away any and all kinds of sin for anyone who would come. He loves us enough to accept us as we are. So I want you to know, if this hits home personally for you in a significant way, I want you to know that there is cleansing through the blood of Jesus. And if you know you're saved, if Jesus has already wiped away your sin, I want you to hold on tight to Jesus and to his gospel and to this news of forgiveness. I want you to be looking him straight in the face the whole time I preach because I know this could be really hard. And if you're here today and you haven't believed in Christ and had your sins washed away, I want you to do that. He is pure and holy and untainted by sin. And we are corrupt and depraved in every single way. But him and his goodness washes away sin. He gave himself as a perfect sacrifice. And Jesus took the punishment that all of us deserve. He did it out of his great love for us. He died a criminal's death, which we should have died. And then he rose again in victory over sin, over the death and over the grave. And I want you to know you can be saved by calling on Jesus Christ. There's no one else that can save you except for Jesus. So hear me say that and keep that in mind. Kristen, did you pass this up? So Joe's on that side. If you would do these two tables, please. Thank you. So I told you that we have a lot of scripture and it's all over the place. So instead of taking the time to flip-flop everywhere, I wanted to uh, provide a printout with that scripture. So I'm assuming that everyone has heard what happened on Friday. I was born in 83, but in 1973, 49 years ago, the highest court in our land said that every state in our nation had to allow people to have an abortion. 49 years ago, the highest court in our land said that every state had to allow people to have an abortion. It was a case called Roe versus Wade. And on Friday, the Supreme Court did what they should have done decades ago, and they said that the court was wrong in 1973. And they overturned a decision. You all, my great-grandchildren are going to read about this week in their history books. And... People in our nation either love this or hate it. Very, this is a polarized topic. I don't need to tell you that. Look at Psalm 33 with me. God is going to have his way in the nations, including our own. God is going to have his way in the nations, including our own. Psalm 33.10 the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people whom he has chosen as his heritage. 
You all, in this, we see that God is providential and sovereign over all the nations. We have powerful nations in our world, and indeed our nation is perhaps the most powerful of them all. And, and, and you know, that, that can be debated. But here we see God's supremacy over nations. We see that when He wants to, He frustrates the plans of the people. And He takes the plans of the highest kings and the most powerful legislators and presidents, and He brings them to nothing. But His counsel, verse 11, will stand forever. When God wants to do something, He always does it, and no man can stop it. And in verse 12, here's the blessing. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom He has chosen as His heritage. You all, we are the church of Jesus Christ, and Jesus has commanded that we shall disciple the nations. That's not just go and disciple the nations, but we are to disciple all the nations, including our own. We are to bring them into the obedience of Jesus Christ. And so that is what I am trying to do in this sermon today and rally us together to do this. For the nation whose God is the Lord, the true Lord, Jesus Christ, there is a blessing. It has to do with joy and happiness coming to the country, coming to the people who worships the true God. Look at Proverbs 14.34. How do we have a, a strong nation? Proverbs 14.34, righteousness exalts a nation. That's how you have a strong nation. There must be righteousness within the nation. But it says sin is a reproach to any people. And if you read the Bible and the story of the Bible, you see hundreds of times that God promises to bless nations that follow Him, that are right, live righteously, and He promises to curse nations that do not. And then there's also hundreds, maybe dozens of occasions. I don't know that there's hundreds, but there's certainly dozens. There's dozens of occasions where He calls a specific nation out and He wipes them off the map because of their unrighteousness. You all... We are not exempt from that as the United States of America. This nation could crumble in our lifetime. Take that to heart. I hope we never see it. I hope it never happens. I hope we're still here when the Lord comes back. But we are not exempt from judgment. So Proverbs 14.34 Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Let's look at that phrase, righteousness exalts a nation. So there's kind of two levels of righteousness. There is individual righteousness, right? And when I look at this verse, I think that, you know, it has to do with if there's a lot of individuals within a nation, then the nation is more likely to live righteously, right? Because there's so many people who live that way. And that, that is a huge part of the thought of this verse, I believe. But there's a second aspect, and it has to do with corporate righteousness or national righteousness. That is not necessarily focused on the individual. It's made up of individuals. But what about the righteousness of our nation? One of the ways that you can judge whether a nation is righteous or not and, and, and can qualify for God exalting and lifting up and blessing the nation 
is by looking at the laws of that nation. You all, nations should have righteous laws. Civil authorities should be right and just. You all, I preached on this extensively uh, back in March and April. And so, I want to read Jeremiah 22 with you. It's on your sheet, I believe. Read this with, or follow along with me. This has to do with um, God, God is speaking to kings. And this has to do with how kings are to lead. Now keep in mind when I read this, we don't have a king, but we have a constitution. And that, that's, got, that's a pretty great document. Let me tell you what. <laughs> Men who wrote that knew a lot about this book that we're preaching from today. And the Constitution has more authority than presidents and congresses and, and courts. Okay? So, so when I'm reading to you this, I'm telling you that our Constitution and our presidents and our courts and our legislatures should heed this warning and this blessing that is in these verses. Jeremiah 22, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, Go down to the house of the king of Judah and speak there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord. Who? O king of Judah. The prophet Jeremiah is speaking to the king. You all, God's people have to speak to kings. We have to speak to kings and governors and county commissioners and legislators and presidents. So hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, who sits on the throne of David, you and your servants and your people who enter these gates. Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness. Do what? Justice and righteousness. From the hand of the oppressor. I'm sorry. And deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. And do no wrong or violence to the resident alien the fatherless and the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. Alright? So there's a lot about justice, right? And governments are to ensure that justice is done, and only God gets to define justice. And look at verse 4, it speaks of the blessing. If you will indeed obey this word, then there shall enter the gates of this house kings who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their servants and their people. Verse 5 is about judgment. If you don't do this, if you don't ensure justice, if you will not obey these words, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that this house shall become a desolation. Earlier this year, we preached on Romans 13, and in Romans 13 it said, the civil government is to bring a sword against all of those who do evil. And that civil government is to approve of those who do good. But we live in a world today where many states, and especially our federal government, are telling you that evil is good, and they're punishing good people who are doing the right thing. We got it backwards. In 1973, the Supreme Court ruled that states could not allow abortion. I'm sorry, could not outlaw abortion. So no state had the power to prohibit it, according to the ruling in 1973. And they said that there is a right to privacy in the Constitution that guaranteed any one woman's right to an abortion. They said there's a right to privacy. I have studied their justification of that thought. It is the most absurd thing I have ever heard in my life. 
If you need to know what a penumbra is, I'll tell you later. I'm not going to get into it now. But it involves a penumbra. So many have argued that this ruling, Roe versus Wade, is the law of the land. Anyone who says Roe v. Wade is the law of the land doesn't even know what a law is. Courts don't make laws. Congress makes laws. And if people can't make that distinction, then it's really hard to, to have an intelligent conversation about this. So many have argued that this is the law of the land, and they have bowed down to it ever since. You, out of 50 states in the Union, not a single state has nullified this ruling. Not a single state has defied this ruling. But you know what? They'll defy the federal government on other things. We have many states that defy the federal government and defy the Supreme Court when it comes to immigration laws. Laws about marijuana. The federal government says it is unlawful for any marijuana use under any occasion. But any adult in this room knows that there are states sponsoring it and even collecting taxes off of the sale of it. States defy the federal government constantly. This also happens regularly with gun control laws. But no state has had the courage to enact a bill of total abolition of abortion. Not a single state. Last year, Representative Larry Pittman in our North Carolina General Assembly instituted a constitutional amendment called House Bill 158 that would abolish abortion in our state. I've got a pretty blue sign down at the end of the road by our big sign that, that is advertising it. And our Republican pro-life Speaker of the House doesn't want it to see the light of day. If you're angry about that, I'm glad. We can be angry together. So, no state, so, so bills of abolition have been introduced, but no state Congress, no state government has had the courage to push it through and to interpose against the evil federal ruling and to do what is right in their state. They'll do it so people can smoke pot. They'll do it so that for immigration purposes, and they'll do it for matters concerning the Second Amendment, but no state has done it so that people are not murdered. So while Roe versus Wade claimed that there was a right to privacy in the Constitution that guaranteed a woman's right to abortion, they ignored the clear text of other parts of the Constitution. Consider the preamble of our Constitution. It is the introductory paragraph to the U.S. Constitution, which is the highest law of our land. It says, We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, to establish justice. The Constitution is an attempt to establish justice. Also to ensure domestic tranquility. It has to do with peace and calmness. Okay, So when there's fewer murders, there's more tranquility. Also to provide for the common defense and to promote the general welfare. Our Constitution was written so that we could have a nation of people who do what is right. Let's look at the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. And this is the clearest example that I, I know of in our founding documents. Uh, towards the end of Section 1 of the 14th Amendment, it says that no state 
shall deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Nor to deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. I could stay right here for an hour. No state can deprive a person of life without due process of law. That's clear. But yet, all 50 states have laws that say when and how people can be murdered without due process. 14th Amendment, there towards the end of what I read, it says no state can deny any person equal protection of the laws. We're going to talk about equal protection in a minute, and I'm going to show it to you in the Bible. All right, so in addition to these two references in the U.S. Constitution, we have the Declaration of Independence. And you know this stuff. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that to secure these rights, to ensure these rights to all the people... Governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it. So, da-da-da-da-da, won't go further into that. But it says, and I think there's actually one thing that's wrong about this not true in what I just read from the Declaration of Independence. It says... That their power to govern comes from us. And there is some truth to that. But their primary power comes from God. He has delegated governments this authority. But what is the relevant part of this? It is self-evident that all people, even people who don't have a voice, even people that are here instead of here, they have the right to life. This is foundational to our nation. But we have denied it for decades. These references to our founding documents show that Roe v. Wade was illegitimate from the day the opinion was issued. SCOTUS is not the highest authority in our land. God obviously is, but there's an authority even higher than SCOTUS, and that is the U.S. Constitution. So when they go wrong, we say you are wrong, and states should say you are wrong You do not have authority over this Constitution. This Constitution is clear. You are wrong. And your ruling is illegitimate. This is called nullification. And if you've never heard of nullification, you can find it in the writings of our founding fathers. And it has happened throughout history. I provided several historical examples of this in March and April in my sermons. So, the laws of our land say that Roe v. Wade was illegitimate. Well, I want to tell you that the higher law, the law of God, also says it, right? And shouldn't that be enough for God's people to say no? But yet not a single state has had enough of God's people rally together to have their state defy the Supreme Court. Not a single state in our nation has rallied enough of God's people together To say you need to have a law in our state that provides equal protection for all people from the moment of fertilization to natural death. In Acts chapter 5 verse 29, Peter and the apostles said to the authorities of their day, we must obey God rather than men. If the government 
instituted among men says it's okay to commit murder. We must obey God rather than men. And we must say, no, you may not. And we must work to preserve the life of the innocent. The church has failed. Shame on the American church for not changing this sooner. We have had the authority, but instead we have bowed down to Roe versus Wade instead of bowing down to God. If you have questions about what that means, I've got some of these, and this could be helpful. I'll pass these out in a bit if you don't have one already. All right, so now Roe has been overturned, so we don't have to defy it. It is legally out of the way. That's awesome, y'all. I cried for 20 minutes Friday morning when I saw this. Praise God. This is incredible. This is wonderful. An unjust court opinion that opened the door for almost 70 million people to be murdered was thrown out. Hear that number rightly. 70 million. There is 330 some million people in our nation. About, could you imagine about 20% of our U.S. population being murdered? 20%. That's one out of five. Could you imagine one out of five people being murdered that you know? Knowing that you might be one of those five. That's what we've done in the last 49 years as a nation. I hope you feel sick right now. I hope that you're angry. God is sick when he looks down on this. Let us join him in that. God is angry. Let us join him in that. So now, since the the SCOTUS no longer says each state has to guarantee the woman a right to an abortion... Now individual states get to choose what they want to do within state government. That's where we're at now. In some states, you all, countless lives will be saved. In other states, it's just going to go up, 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 up. I shared with you all that I ministered at an abortion clinic uh, the third weekend of May. They all, for it was a Planned Parenthood in Asheville. They offered abortion only on Saturdays. Well, Friday afternoon, they announced that they will now be doing it two days a week. Because people from Tennessee are going to be flocking to Asheville. So some states will see a decrease. Other states will see an increase. In 2020, there were eight women who lived in Gates County who got an abortion. No, nine. In 2019, there were eight women in Gates County who had an abortion. The numbers in our state run 25 to 27,000 people a year. But it's been almost 70 million in our nation since 1973. Um, 
So some people are saying that abortion is now outlawed, that it's now illegal, and that cannot be further from the truth. If you hear anyone say that, please know they are misinformed. They're probably well-meaning, but they're misinformed. Supreme Court is no longer saying that each state must now allow abortions. They're saying that each state can now legislate it however they would like. And it's kind of forecasted that about half the states in our nation are going to heavily, heavily restrict it. And even about 13 states have what they call a trigger bill that came into law at some point in the last 49 years that says if Roe v. Wade is ever overturned, then these restrictions are automatically going to be put in place. The state of Texas has one that says 30 days after Roe v. Wade is overturned that all abortions are banned ex- with two exceptions. Okay, So that will no doubt save many babies, but it doesn't go far enough because they allow exceptions to it. You all, what happened Friday was good. An unjust ruling was struck down, but you all, it does not go far enough. It is partial justice, which means that in the laws of our land, it says you may murder. It means that there is injustice in the legal code. And you all, we are an unrighteous nation because of it. God requires justice in the nations. And one aspect of that has to do with partiality or favoritism. I like the word partiality. It's a word we're not as familiar with. Not a, a lot of people aren't. Think of the word favoritism. It would be really bad if I loved six of my kids so much, but one of them I didn't really care about. That'd be horrible, wouldn't it? There's no place for partiality. In the book of James, it says you shouldn't treat some types of people this way and other types that way. It forbids it. And the legal term that's popular today that calls for an impartiality is equal protection. And you see this on the screen behind me. This is from Bradley Pierce at Abolish Abortion Texas. Equal protection simply means that the same laws that protect these people who have already been born should also protect these people. If it says you may not murder and it protects these people, it should also protect those people. You all, justice is required. Micah chapter 6, 8. Chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? You all, if there is not justice in our land, then that righteousness that exalts the nation is absent. We are forfeiting the blessing of God on our, on our, on our land because we fail to see that there is equal protection in our laws. Look at Proverbs 24, verse 23. These also are sayings of the wise. Partiality in judging is not good. Partiality in judging is not good. Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by peoples and abhorred by nations. Apply that to the U.S. right now. Look at your sheet. Proverbs 24, 24. Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by peoples and abhorred by nations. Did you watch President Biden's 15-minute speech Friday at lunchtime? 
He is saying to the wicked that you are right. He will be cursed by peoples and abhorred by nations. And our nation may just go along with him. And I just want you to know, I've been studying this a lot lately. It's a different sermon for a different day. If our nation does go under, God's going to take care of the righteous in the middle of that. You will suffer loss. It will be difficult, no doubt. But God, God's people are always protected when their evil nation is judged. Look now at Deuteronomy 16, 18. More about partiality and judgment in law, in, in the courts of law. You shall appoint judges and officers. And this was instruction to Moses about how they were to set up the government in Israel. Okay. You shall appoint judges and officers in all your towns that the Lord your God is giving you according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality. You shall not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. Justice and only justice you shall follow that you may live and inherit the land that the Lord your God has given you. Do you see that? It's verse... uh, 19, you shall not pervert justice, you shall not show partiality. You shall not have laws that say you can murder this person, but you can't murder that person. So we can't have laws that play favorites. Um, How would things go in our world if stealing was wrong on every occasion unless you were doing it from food line? It's absurd, right? You can steal from, or, or you cannot steal from any store out there except for Food Line. What if the laws that protect women from domestic violence were applicable to every single woman out there except for women between the age of 30 and 35? What if it was illegal to burn someone's house down unless they had blonde hair? It's absurd, isn't it? It really is. What about people from Puerto Rico? You know, let's have laws that protect everybody except for people from Puerto Rico. How would that go over? What if laws only protected people that were over five and a half feet tall? You all, God's command to forbid partiality requires equal protection. God's command to forbid partiality requires that our laws protect everyone equally. No state at this moment in time has equal protection in their legal codes of all people. This means that every single state allows some people to be murdered with no penalty. What I'm about to read to you is from Bradley Pierce at Abolish Abortion, Texas. He says, equal protection just means following the golden rule as found in Matthew 7:12. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Equal protection just means obeying the second greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Equal protection just means that the same laws protecting preschool children and any other born person from being murdered should also protect preborn children from the same thing. Politicians and judges who oppose equal protection want to discriminate against babies who are not yet born. Those politicians do not want the laws protecting their own lives to also protect the lives of babies before birth. 
Laws to protect me, but not for thee. Say that with me. Laws to protect me, but not for thee. Which is just Old English for you. We need to repent of this sin. That's key, y'all. We've got to repent. As a nation and as individuals, we need to repent of this sin and demand that our elected officials and judges do the same. Do you hear that word demand? That's a very strong word. And I believe that, I mean, that's not Bible, but that's what the Bible's teaching. And Bradley Pierce summarizes it well for us here. All right, so the decision on Friday. Y'all, it was a huge step in the right direction. We rejoice and we praise God for it. But it didn't go far enough. It did not uphold the Constitution. It did not say that all preborn people must not be deprived of life. Thus, it failed to establish justice and equal protection for all people. You all, it did not meet God's command of kings, nations, and civil authorities to ensure justice within their realm. It did appeal a wrong judgment, but it did not go far enough to make things right. Abortion is still legal in all 50 states. And instead of It's saying what the Constitution really says. The ruling only now says that the states can figure it out and make their own decisions. They can decide what's right and what's wrong. Now, I'm a huge fan of states' rights, and our federal government is a thousand times bigger than it should be. And there are many things that should be left to the states that the federal government should not touch. And if you want to know more of that, read the Tenth Amendment. But this is not one of them. This is clear. Look at Proverbs 14.34 again. I'm trying to hurry up. I know this is long, but we're going to get there. Proverbs 14.34 Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. You all, there's still sin here. It's a reproach. It's a disgrace. It's a shame. Our work is not done. You all, we must work to establish equal protection. You all, I am working closely with Abolish Abortion North Carolina. I met them June 30th of last year, so it's been almost a a year to the week. They're an incredible group of people. Some of you were at the conference in Sanford on March 26th. I'm right now beginning to oversee their email marketing campaign. Um, I'm doing a little bit of legislator engagement. Um, I've talked to a number of state senators and representatives in the last year, and I've largely been disgusted by how they think about these things. And Abolish Abortion North Carolina and other organizations like us are working hard to develop resources and training so that all of God's people can know what it is that they're supposed to do. And I'm also pleased to announce that on October 8th, there is going to be a regional abolish abortion conference in Gates County. It's not going to be here. We aren't big enough. But on October 8th, there is going to be a regional conference here in Gates County where we're trying to rally northeastern North Carolina together to come get educated. Many of the same people who led the conference in Sanford in March will be at this conference. And they're even going to make a few trips here prior to the conference to help prepare. And I'm really, really pleased to announce that to you all. So let's talk about North Carolina and what's going on in our state. You love your state like I do? It's a wonderful place to live. Um, 
So in 2019, there was a law that was passed that banned abortion after 20 weeks. The law was challenged in court and struck down by a high court, not the Supreme Court, but a higher, higher court than our state court. Um, so Friday, House Speaker Tim Moore and the Republican leader of the North Carolina Senate sent a joint letter to the Attorney General of our state, Josh Stein, saying, now that Roe v. Wade doesn't cause that law to be struck down, we have to implement that. And we want you to do it by July 1st. That's pretty good, right? And then it also said, if you don't do it, then we're going to work around you to make it happen. I'm on board with that. I think that's great. Good job, y'all. So that's one thing that's going on in our state since Friday. House Speaker Tim Moore, you know, he's like the Nancy Pelosi of the state Congress. um, But he is a Republican and he says he's pro-life, but he's not. But he has that position within the House. He says this on Friday. Today's decision from the U.S. Supreme Court is long overdue and a major win for protecting life. The end of Roe v. Wade rightfully returns authority back to the states to determine abortion law. While I remain unequivocally pro-life, he wants y'all to know he's pro-life, right? The short budget adjustment session does not afford us sufficient time to take up the issue. Hogwash. I'm pro-life, but I'd rather make sure we have enough money in the bank account right now and that our government that's way too big can be funded. I'm not done yet. However, North Carolinians can rest assured that we are taking the necessary steps to ensure that current restrictions on the books will be enforced. North Carolinians can also expect pro-life protections to be a top priority of the legislature when we return to our normal legislative session in January. You all, their current session will end later this week, and they do not have another session until December. And that's going to be one to two weeks. And then everyone who's voted in in November's elections will start their new session in January of 2023. And he says, we're going to deal with it then. Six more months of baby murder. And we're losing 25000 a year. You do the math. I hope you're sick and angry. I'm sick. I'm angry. I believe God is sick and angry. Um, the third week of May, the Virginian pilot published an article... Um, a, a friend of mine sent it to me because he knew I would care about it, and I read it as soon as he sent it. And the, the topic of the article was, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, because it was leaked that it would be overturned early in May, the topic of the article was, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, what is the future of abortion in North Carolina? This same man, House Speaker Tim Moore, said, we can't abolish abortion or even restrict abortion, because although our Congress is mostly controlled by Republicans, our governor is a Democrat, and he will veto any legislation we have. That's a real problem. Our governor is an evil man, you all. He needs to repent of his wickedness and work to ensure justice in our land, but he will not do it. So House Speaker Tim Moore, in this article, he says it would be a waste of time to try to pass a law. We're not going to do it. And what he said is, I'm hoping that in this year's election, 
pro-life Republicans will take a larger part of the legislature so that if the governor does veto legislation that would abolish abortion, then the Congress can override that veto if they have a certain majority. The Congress certain currently does not have that majority. But if we did, we could override a veto. So he's saying we need to wait until we get that because Cooper's going to be serving in office, I think, until January of 25. Here's what Tim Moore knows. This is why I'm mad as fire, you all. House Bill 158, I referenced it earlier. Check out the blue sign at the end of the road. Larry Pittman introduced House Bill 158 as a constitutional amendment to the state constitution. It is not a normal law that goes across Governor Roy Cooper's desk. Any law that goes over Roy Cooper's desk that he doesn't like, he can veto that, which means it doesn't become a law. This constitutional amendment, if passed in the legislature, if our state congress would pass it, it wouldn't go to Cooper because constitutional amendments don't go to the governor. I didn't know this till Friday. I was already mad. I'm even more mad now. Cooper can't veto House Bill 158, y'all. It's a constitutional amendment. If it passed Congress, it would be on the ballot for the citizens to decide in November, you all. House Speaker Tim Moore is a member of a Baptist church near Raleigh, and he is courting the pro-life people of our state. He posts on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere and on his website about how pro-life he is, and he has been hiding this bill and killing it in one committee after another. And I can name, I, I could take you online and show you each committee it's been in. Howard Hunter, our local representative who owns Hunter's Funeral Home, on the corner of uh, 37 and 158, he's our congressman. And he was the chairman of one of the committees that House Bill 158 was in, y'all. And he, along with Representative Tim Moore, Speaker Tim Moore, they want it to die. And, and Tim Moore is playing this game where Cooper's going to veto it so we don't have to do anything. And I say, no, you are a coward, Speaker Tim Moore. And you need to repent because the fires of hell are burning hot. I told you I was going to say harsh things today. And I told you I wasn't going to say them unless I was absolutely convinced that it is true. All right. I'm trying to wrap up, y'all. So we need to speak to our legislatures. We need to speak up about the evil. That's hard to do, right? But you know what? It prepares the good soil for the gospel. And we don't just tell people they're evil for fun, y'all. We tell people they're evil so to prepare them for the mercy of God. Because we were once evil too, but Jesus wiped away our sin. And our greatest desire is not that they'll be in hell, but that they will receive the forgiveness of the gospel. You all keep that in the forefront of your mind again. So we have to remember too that our federal government in Washington might put into federal law that all states must allow abortion. That is possible. And our House of Representatives has already passed a measure to do so, but they didn't send it to the Senate because the Senate probably will not get 60 votes to make that happen, and it will die. So, but that could happen at some point in the future. So what do we have to do? You all, we have to interpose. 
Interposition is when one person stands between a victim and the one hurting it. So we have three parties. We have someone causing harm, and we have a victim, and then we have somebody who gets in between them to stop them. That's interposition. It is a biblical doctrine that I preached on quite a bit earlier this year. Look at Proverbs chapter 24, uh, verse 24 and 25 on your sheet. Proverbs 20, 24. Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by peoples aboard by nations. We've already looked at that. Look at verse 25. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight and a good blessing come upon them. Did you hear that? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to interpose. We're supposed to be the prophetic voice of Jesus. Jesus came as a prophet, did he not? And he spoke the truth of God, did he not? And we are his very body on the earth today. We are to participate in this ministry as well, corporately, together. In Proverbs 24, 25, look at your sheet. Those who rebuke the wicked will have delight. Hmm. Those who rebuke the wicked will have delight. And a good blessing will come upon them. You all, over the many years, but more so over the last year, but this has been true for decades, for 20 years for me. There have been times when I have rebuked the wicked and I walk away. I walk to it with terror and difficulty sitting inside of me, but I walk away light as a feather. There is this sense of delight and joy knowing I did the hard thing that God wanted me to do. Rebuke the wicked. You will have delight. Look at Proverbs twenty nine twenty six on your sheet. Many seek the face of a ruler, but it is from the Lord that a man gets justice. You all, we need to go to our legislators. If they change their mind, though, like it's not because they were great. It's because God moved and worked in them. From the Lord, a man gets justice. So who's going to win the battle? Who's going to bring about the victory? God is, right? Look at Proverbs 29, 27. An unjust man is an abomination to the righteous. How many of y'all feel that? You see the pro-choice, pro-abort people dancing around and all this stuff out there? I, I was in a conversation with a woman in a pink unicorn outfit a month ago bragging to me about her abortion. But this said, verse 27 says, an unjust man or an unjust person is an abomination to the righteous. But one whose way is straight and it is an abomination to the wicked. If your way is straight and in line with God, you will be an abomination to the wicked. What does that mean? That means that the people who hate God are going to hate you. You've got to be okay with that. We have to get over that. We have to be okay with people hating us because we believe what is right. Are you prepared for that? We must do so. Look at Amos 5.10. They hate him who reproves or warns in the gate. And they abhor him who speaks the truth. What's the gate? The gate is where official business takes place in ancient cities. Which is the life that Amos was in 2,700 years ago when he wrote this. They didn't have courtrooms. They had the gate. They hate him who reproves or corrects 
in the halls of power, you all. And they abhor him who speaks the truth. You all, Frederick Douglass, who was an abolitionist, he was an escaped slave. He lived in the mid-1800s. He worked, just, he gave his life to the abolition of African Americans. I read one of his books uh, late last year. It was incredible. He, he's more familiar with this battle than any of us in here are. And he says this. Power concedes nothing without a demand. Power concedes nothing without a demand. You all powerful people ain't going to give you nothing if you don't demand it. We must speak up with the courage of God and the power of God and to demand to the powerful people that they give us ground. And that they do what God has called them to do. When we do so, y'all, it's going to be a delight. And they're going to hate our guts. All right. Uh, if some of these ideas are new to you, or if you just want to dive in deep, I've got some of these. Some of you already have one. Who doesn't have one that would like one? This is free. Yeah. Anybody else that doesn't have one? All right. So these are free. They're up there on the shelf um, by the front door. Q&A time. Uh, what? Proverbs 14.34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I've already said it at least twice today. Jesus takes away our sin. The lady that was cursing me in her pink rainbow unicorn blow-up outfit in Asheville a month ago. i got to show you all a picture of it. It was crazy. God can take her sin away. And were it not for the grace of God, we would be dancing around in that unicorn outfit, y'all. Jesus loves sinners. And his arms are wide open to any and all who will call upon him. Let's pray.